Today is the third um, day, um, third Sunday of a series that we titled Courageous Generosity, Overcoming the Fear of Scarcity. If you remember two weeks ago, I shared that there's a couple great fears that we have. Uh, One of those is the fear of scarcity, the fear of not having enough, not being enough. But if you were here two weeks ago, I led off saying that there is a whole other fear that grips us that the adversary likes us to fall uh, into, and that is the fear of death. And so um, we juxtapose this whole concept that for some people, they real- the reality for them is there is a fear of death, maybe not just in the aging aspect, but health aspects or just the sense of this life is brief and short. And other people can't relate to that, but they can relate to the idea that you can feel from week to week that you're not uh, uh, measuring up, that you don't have enough or you aren't enough personally as an individual, and that our way to combat that is to have courageous generosity and to come at it from the perspective that God has given us so much that we should be able to give back to him. And last week, Josh shared uh, really well out of a passage about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the receiving, the taking of the bread uh, and the fish, fishes from the young boy he, re- he took. He uh, blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And that whole concept that we need to be doing that with our life, that uh, we have something to give to God, and God has given us capacity to serve him and to love him. And so, you know, God takes, he, he, he takes what we have, and then he blesses it. And then he sometimes has to break us in ways, and then he gives it out. And that's sort of a model of our life in uh, this whole subject of uh, being courageous uh, and with our generosity to give and to be obedient to that. And I've heard different people respond, even from Josh's talk last week, about, you know, my call is to, to, to be more obedient to what God's calling me to do. And whether it's in the, the area of being generous with offerings and, and uh, worshiping God through that or generous with your time, generous with your relationships, maybe it's, you know, a, another whole call to obedience obedience that God's just prompting on your heart. And he receives our obedience um, as worship unto him. In fact, we were commanded to go into all the world to make disciples. And right there in the Great Commission is to obey, teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. I was going to pick up on that theme today, but I'm not. I'm actually going to go back to the first part of the theme of the other fear Not the fear of scarcity, but the fear of death. And I appreciate Kimmy saying what she shared, because I'm just trying to be obedient this morning to what God's put on my heart um, and what's transpired in the last 24 hours in our home. I received a call yesterday at 11.56 a.m. We were having brunch. It's great to have Grandma and Grandpa in with us, and we were having brunch and um, the call came in, and it was one of those calls where it shows up on your caller ID as a number you don't know, and it's from another state. And so you think to yourself immediately, what? Telemarker, right? I'm not going to answer this kind of thing. And so usually I'm really quick with those things. I just say hi, <laughs> because maybe that won't trigger the person or the answering machines or whatever. And I just say hi. And on the other end of the phone was a very, very distressed voice. And I couldn't even figure out who the voice was. 
And in the middle of the conversation, the word Isaac came up and the comment came, there is no pulse. And I'm like, Zach, Zach, you okay? Zach's friend got on the phone. And uh, Dalen got on the phone and he said, everything's all right with Zach. It's okay. But Isaac has fallen. My son, Zach, who, God bless his spirit, he's able to come for worship today. Sort of protected space in one sense. He and his two friends went rock climbing at Red Rock, which is just west of Las Vegas. And, uh, in fact, he had posted a picture, I believe, on Facebook of all of his equipment laid out. And I just talked to him the night before. And he uh, said, Dad, I went out and got a new $100 helmet and everything. And we're going to have the right precautions. And um, they went to Red Rock, these three young men. And their very first climb, Isaac was eager to get going. And Isaac... It's pictured here. Isaac's been in our home, around our dinner table. Friend from college, 20 years old, bright future. And my son was holding the rope as he was climbing up. Slipped a couple times, he caught it. He goes another five feet on this one cliff and he falls. And as he's falling, instead of being able to be caught, the anchor that's holding that rope pulls. And then the next anchor pulls. And Isaac fell backwards 40 feet, hitting his head. And we believe in an instant was with the Lord. Dale and their friend, right there with him, he began to bleed from the mouth and the nose, rolled him over to make sure he wouldn't keep his passageways open. Zach took off running over boulders, trying to find help, screaming, yelling 911. God's grace, there were, I believe, three, four ER doctors that was there within two minutes because they were on the trails as well as an EMT person. And we um, had this phone call, and you didn't know anything about what was fully going on other than, Isaac, there is no pulse, Dad, I need you. Dad, I need you. You're four hours away from your son. So I grabbed Grandpa, we got in the car, and we took off. And as it processed through in those moments, and you can imagine the shock and time stands still, and it's just all surreal. Papa and I, we walked into Burger King on the west side of Las Vegas, and Zach and his friend were there. And you comfort them, and you try to figure out what to do. Didn't know if I would be here today. Thought we might end up being in Las Vegas. Zach's body's being, I mean, Isaac's body's being taken um, to San Diego and his memorial service will be here this next week. And so we were able to come back 
I called around if you've been praying. Thank you so much for your prayers. But um, you're faced real close with what really matters in life. And if I was to stand before you today and say what I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for life. And I'm thankful for eternal life. Papa drove the car we drove up back. Carrie pretty much sat in silence driving the pickup back with the other two boys. They corresponded some. Isaac's mom and stepdad came up from San Diego, met with his dad, grandma and grandpa, extended family in San Bernardino. And last night, Zach and Dalen and I walked into a home that was thankful for life, the life of Isaac, but even more thankful for eternal life because they knew they would see Isaac again. It's interesting when you walk into those situations. I've walked into them as pastor. I was walking into it in a little different situation this time as father to a son in deep grief and us in shock as well. And so you sit in this uh, small little ranch house and uh, they're all circled around and the beauty of Jesus brought healing to my son and to his friend Dalen. I cannot comprehend um, what kind of state mom would be in, Martha, and she sat there on that couch and she ministered to my two, my boy and his friend because the hope that she had was in her. I come to find out that the guy sitting on the couch right next to where I was seated was Grandpa, and he was a pastor. Had been a pastor in their life. And as you can imagine, that's a lot of trauma to deal with. Your son's just going away for fun. As his dad said when he walked in, he said, Zach, every time Isaac would talk about being able to go with you guys and do things like this, he would just light up a big smile. He was so excited to have this. No one would have thought that 24 hours ago, basically right now, that his life would be taken. So, it's hard for me to speak on what I was going to speak on, other than to say, do it. (laughs) Be generous in all ways. How's that? But I would like to take these moments here today, and um, I know it's a little somber for me to share this, but to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I don't know what this last year has held for you. Maybe there's been a death of a loved one. Maybe there's someone right now that's going through an illness that you don't know how the end will be defined. Maybe you've been broken in some other ways. You've not fallen 40 feet and busted your head and uh, lost your life, but you feel that you've fallen and uh, you're a broken person in some other ways. I want you to grab a hold of this week the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because of what we did in commemorating his death. His broken body, he broke for us. Courageous generosity, I would say, that the God of the universe would step out of the universe, take on human flesh, Live as us, be tempted in all ways such as us, but yet without sin, being obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. 
His courageous generosity is why you and I can have hope today. And so as we remember Jesus around this table, on a week that will be gathered around a Thanksgiving table with a lot of food and family, may we keep right at the center of it the reason that we as human beings, broken and sinful as we are, have hope in this life is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we don't sit in a little ranch house with extended family and speak platitudes of wishfulness. But we grab a hold of the real hope that we have in a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ who faced death, stared it down, broke the chains of death, and came back to life. You and I have a hope for life and life eternal today. And we should not be nonchalant, just chalant about it and just say, whatever God, here are my little problems. I tell you what, when things happen traumatic in your life, and it was two years ago, this January, some of you may remember, I was in an automobile accident that could have taken my life. And it redefined, recalibrated my life real quick. Every day is a bonus day for me. Today I have a bonus day, Melissa and I do with our son. It's bonus day. Tragedy redefines life. Real fast, doesn't it? The adversary wants us to get caught up in the fear of scarcity. Part of the fear of scarcity is trying to think that this life is all you got, so you better get a bunch of it and have a bunch of meaning and and significance. And God wants you to have meaning and significance in this life. But the fear of scarcity comes from an ugly place that says this is all you got are these few years that blood's thrown through your veins. And if he doesn't catch you with that, then he'd get you paranoid about the fear of death. And then the fear of death, yeah, this is all you got, and there's nothing afterwards. But we, as believers in Christ, because of his generosity, are able to offer life. And not just eternal life in the hereafter, but to offer life in this day. As you've often heard me say, my favorite verse is John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus says, what? That you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what the hope we have. And you may be headed into a Thanksgiving table where there's people there that do not have a relationship with Christ, or maybe you're here this morning and you really don't know where you stand at with a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you were to die tonight, as the saying goes, you know, where would you face eternity at? Well, friends, you don't have to live in a quandary about that question because of what our scriptures say. I have no notes, but I have a story. And I'd like to take us to that story. It's in John 11. And in John 11, we find that Jesus has some friends. And his friends, in John 11, are broken and grieving because of someone in their family who was sick. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Now some of you are very familiar with this story, but 